Hi guys, welcome back to 323. Today we are continuing our series on spirituality. Um, One thing I did want to address that was on the last spirituality episode that I recorded, I was talking to my friend Cleo, who was the guest on the last episode, and I met Cleo and Ella both through church. Um, And Cleo did think it was important to acknowledge that while I do believe that our church is very open and accepting, it is in Highland Park, and you can probably guess from that that it is predominantly white and relatively privileged, as well as the fact that a lot of the culture still kind of revolves around Christianity. We do celebrate Christian holidays. I don't want to misrepresent that, and Cleo just thought that it was important to call out. So thank you, Cleo, for reminding me of that. But that is a great segue into the topic of today's podcast, which is Christianity. And I have a very special guest with me today who I will let introduce herself. Hey guys, my name is Tracy Velasquez. I am a former high school teacher turned counselor, which is why I knew Carter because I used to work with her dad for many years. He also taught me in high school, so I've known the students for a long time. Um, I'm married to the love of my life, Carlos, and I have a little dog, Penny. That's my family, and yeah, super excited to be here, Carter. All right. So I'm really excited to talk to Tracy today because I think that as most people who are not Christian and are living in Texas, I have a little bit of, I wouldn't say resentment against the Christian church, but just kind of a what's going on there kind of thing. Um, But Tracy is like the sweetest person ever. And she also... I like I feel like our politics are aligned the same. We also have like the same taste in music, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with religion, but it's still fun. Um, and so yeah, we're just gonna talk a little bit about that today. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So first question is still like pretty introductory. Um, so basically just what is an overall of your story with your faith, like from childhood to now and how you label it and everything like that? Yeah, so um, a little bit about my walk with Christianity. Um, I grew up in Plano in a home with two parents that were also Christians um, who were the best. And it was part of my upbringing to go to church. And um, I think from a pretty young age, that was just what we did. And I think my parents um, were were really, really good about not pressing it on me or my brother, um, but they just had it as part of their routine. And so it was something that was part of our routine, Um, but they were really gracious to how we felt about it. And so as a child, I was always excited to go to church. I loved being there. I felt at home at my church. I grew up in a non-denominational Bible church in Plano. Um, that's still around. And I always felt like it was a second home. And so I think uh, around like early elementary school is when I, um, as Christians call it, um, begin a relationship with Jesus, which means that I uh, profess faith in him, believing in him as the son of God. And um, I know that there's a lot of loaded language about, you know, praying a prayer or whatever. i I don't look at it that way. I think that for me, um, that's when I felt the weight of 
you know, in my most childlike mind of understanding of wanting to have a relationship with Jesus and wanting that to impact my life. And obviously that's ebbed and flowed over the years as far as my maturity and development and stages of life um, and my understanding of what that means. I think as a teenager, um, it was really important to me to get into a youth group and my parents joked that if I could have lived at church and like put a mattress at my church, I would have, which I feel like Carter is similar to your experience with your church. So I was definitely a youth group kid. And I think for me that um, was not that I didn't love school, but that was more of the place where my friends felt like family and um, got to do a lot of cool service and ministry through that and got to see what justice looked like. I was really, really fortunate in having in high school through my church, amazing mentors, men and women, both who poured into me and walked with me through hard seasons of life and showed me what it looked like to love others and to live in a way that reflected Christ. And so I think not everybody has that experience, which you know makes their experience different than mine, but I was really, really lucky and, and blessed by those people. I think that formulated a lot of my faith. And then um, when I went to college at AM, which you know, you can make all your jokes about. Um, we have many things to joke about, but uh, I, I found really solid friends. And I think stepping away from the church I'd grown up uh, at was a cool opportunity to grow in my faith and continue to make it my own, um, which was important to me. And so I went to a different kind of church and learned different theologies um, in a different denomination and was shaped a lot by that. And then Honestly, I think one of the things for me that's been the coolest in my faith, and I'm not just trying to give a compliment to your dad, um, <laughs> but I, I do think going to teach at a in a class where I got to teach world religion and learn more about other faiths um, as I was teaching them to others, like really in kind of a funny way played into my faith of um, helping me to explore some of those questions like, why do I really believe what I believe um, in comparison to thinking that through for other religions and their spiritual practices and things. And um, having conversations with different kinds of people who believe differently was really helpful for me um, in my faith. So yeah, I think it's looked different at different seasons. It's always been pretty central um, in my life and how I walk through my day. But um, as I've matured, it's it's changed a little bit. Yeah. So I guess from there, I kind of have like a, a double question. So you can pick the order that you want to answer. Um, but one, I guess for me, because as like I've talked about with my religion and you're familiar with like, mm-hmm. but, okay. Oh, yeah. I was like, you know, my dad. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, but, oh, mm-hmm. I feel honored. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of for me, I don't have any kind of a personal relationship with a a god or a higher power i guess mm-hmm. and i've never really known what it what it meant exactly when christians yeah. talk about having a relationship with jesus like is that like it's like talking to you like i guess i, I don't really know what that entails and then the second part of that little compound question is um you mentioned like your faith being very central to you in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life so what are kind of some of your spiritual practices maybe other than like attending church like how do you kind of live that out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I'll start with the personal relationship one. I think that'll lend itself into the second. Um, 
I, I want to start by saying that I know that for anyone growing up in this area, there is a lot of loaded language around Christianity. And I think um, sometimes a lot of like misunderstanding of, you know, what it what is a relationship with Jesus? Or um, I, I also think that there's a lot of people in this area, and I and I have been guilty of it at times that sometimes um, can over spiritualize things to where it can make people be like, oh, like is that really a thing? And so I just want to acknowledge that that everything I say has been my experience. It's not everyone's experience. I'm not trying to over spiritualize or like it's just you know speaking what has happened to me. Um, for me, having a relationship with a God, um, for me, and what I love about Christianity is so much of that is about Jesus. And so um, I, the obvious <laughs> way to get to know a God is to read the Bible, um, my, my um, you know, religion central text. But uh, I think that is a way that according to the Bible, um, God has given for us to know him. And so, um, again, I understand that for some people they're like, well, like if you don't believe in God, why do you believe in the Bible? And it's like totally fair. Um, but for me, because I do, I think that's, um, you know, a way for me to read the text, uh, where there are Psalms of praise to God, um, that teach me how to pray or there are the teachings of Jesus, which, for me, um, are almost like instruction manuals for how to live. And so that's a, a really easy way. I think something that um, I didn't always understand um, was when people would talk about like experiencing God when I was younger. I feel like I would hear all these people talk about, oh my gosh, like God spoke to me or I could just like feel him. And sometimes I wouldn't even understand what that meant. I was like, I feel like I have a relationship with him, but I don't know that I've like felt him in that way. And people would tell me like, it's hard to explain. And and I used to hate that cliche, but I'm about to use it and that <laughs> it's hard to explain. And, and I will be the first to admit that um, there are a lot of times in my walk with uh, Christianity that like God's voice sounds kind of quiet and it feels hard to hear. And I just keep pressing on and, um, you know, sometimes almost like, I'm encouraged by other people's faith because I'm having like a harder season or whatever, but there have been times where, um, you know, I'm, I'm praying or I'm having a conversation with my friend and I have felt what I think is God speak to me. And again, I know that sounds very woo woo. Uh, it's just like a, a thing that I can't explain in my gut where it was like a voice that popped in my head that didn't sound like mine. Um, and I've only felt that a couple of times where it was that direct and that clear. I think I felt God's presence a lot in more often in a lot of um, smaller, less obvious ways through, you know, an encouraging word from a friend where I walk away feeling like that is exactly what I needed to hear. And it's almost like I felt God's words coming through that person or, um, you know, I'm, I'm really anxious going into work and I get into my car to drive to work and I see the sky and I'm just like reminded of a quality about him and um, just like feel in my heart that I, he's with me. <laughs> um, uh, I think there's a lot of those moments more than there is the big 
obvious ones. And I think I know a lot of people have been discouraged because they feel like they don't get the obvious ones all the time. And I think that it's way more normal to, to have kind of the smaller ones. But I think the more that I've looked for God in my life and, and tuned my eyes to see him, the more that I have been able to, and that definitely comes with age. It comes with some experiences some like trials and, um, just kind of growing a little bit, I think takes some time, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of, it is a gut thing. Um, as far as like the practices goes, and I think this is where I try to cultivate the presence of Jesus and God in my life. Um, I've been actually, I've been doing a lot of studying into spiritual practices because I do think the denomination I grew up in and even in, in now doesn't emphasize it very much. And so it's something that I'm still learning about. Um, I grew up where you like read the Bible and you had a quiet time and like, um, which for, I don't know, people <laughs> not in the Christian bubble, uh, it's something in Christian culture where you like wake up and you have, uh, you know, your coffee or your caffeine of choice and you sit and you like read your Bible for 30 minutes, you know, and it's, and sometimes um, it looks different than that, but I feel like for a lot of people, that's kind of their only spiritual practice and was mine for a long time. I'm doing a lot of study into prayer and like praying without ceasing. And so what are different kinds of prayer, um, like contemplative prayer or, um, prayer of praise or uh, prayer of suffering. And so studying some of like the old mystics, um, I think Catholicism does a, a really good job more than the evangelical space of like those kinds of things. And so I've been reading um, more into that from like some Catholic writers. Um, and then the other one I've been getting into, which again can be very loaded and misused is fasting. Um, I think fasting is not something and if you're not familiar with fasting, um, it's common in a lot of religions, actually. Um, but for uh, just like your average listener, I feel like uh, fasting can look a lot of different ways. Um, it's typically done for a purpose. <laughs> you don't just, you know, uh, not eat for a certain number of hours to build resilience. But it's usually done um, around like a prayer or a purpose or to um, – find unity with those that are suffering or in poverty. I hear that a lot too. Um, and so I, for me, I've been trying to fast once a week to uh, practice all of those things. So um, a lot of times it's fasting to learn self-control um, because I am not good at self-control with my words and, you know, how sometimes how I spend my money or what I put in my body, like I, that's hard for me. And so um Again, not in like a crazy way that can get twisted, but fasting is a way for me to learn self-control and to rely upon the, for me to pray and rely upon God for strength. Again, we're talking very healthy, very doctor recommended amounts of time. Um, my body can't do more than two meals and then I like break at dinner. So I don't have breakfast or lunch. And then I eat dinner with my husband. And, um, during those times that I have meals, I eat pray and spend a little more time with God. Um, my husband and I fasted when all of the stuff started in Ukraine and when this, um, everything was going on in Afghanistan as well. Um, just because we wanted to devote more time, uh, 
to pray during mealtimes and we wanted to, you know, fast in solidarity with what was going on. And so we've done it for that. I fasted with my small group at church. So you can do that with other Christians, um, which is kind of a cool experience as you're all doing it together and praying together. Um, so it can look a lot of different ways, but I've really seen the benefit of that. And definitely <laughs> that's a newer one for me um, that I'm trying to explore. That actually leads me into a question. I have a little note card of questions that I had here, but I told Tracy at the beginning, I always end up asking questions <laughs> that I didn't write down. Um, but I feel like oftentimes whenever I see I think the immediate example that's coming to my mind is I remember right after like, it's going to be hard to see where I'm going with this at first. It's like a very dramatic <laughs> shift of subject, but like immediately after the Parkland shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of talk because there were a lot of um, conservative politicians who were, you know, posting, you know, thoughts and prayers, like stuff like that, where they were saying, you know, relying on God to get us through these times. And a lot of people were like, that is cool because it like if it's you know your personal conviction Mm -hmm. do as you please but also a lot of people aren't christian and they feel Mm -hmm. as though prayer and things like that may not be the most effective way to kind of Mm -hmm. get a point across i guess um so not entirely sure where i'm going with this question but kind of i guess like when it comes to practices like that in terms of tying into kind of your political beliefs, like sympathizing with others, do you, like, I guess, how do you feel that is helping in a larger sense? Because I guess Mm -hmm. for me, like, my spiritual practices are very based around the community that that I'm with, and I'm trying to kind of focus more on, like, oh my gosh, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll have to edit that out later. My dog just decided to yell for no reason. I also – I know that I always say I'm going to edit things out, and then I don't. But hopefully this time you actually don't hear the thing. Um, but, yeah, I guess just, like, kind of how do you feel that that's helping in a larger sense? Because I, 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 where I was going with that was I don't have a lot of personal aspects of my faith, and I want to work on that. But I guess I can't imagine feeling as though my actions within – my own religious practices are like contributing to something Mm -hmm. bigger than me. I don't know if that question makes sense, but yeah. No, totally. And tell me if I veer off from answering it and steer (laughs) me back. But I, I think that I'm, I'm glad that you asked this because I know um, for people that are not Christian, like prayer can be loaded. And I've heard a lot of criticism, I think rightly so for, you know, when something tragic happens or when there's like a social justice movement, like people, their first inclination is prayer. And then I've heard the criticism is like nothing after that. And um, I think when I think of prayer, I guess going to the purpose in in my faith, um, when I am praying, because I, in my faith, trust that there is a God who is creator of the world, who is um, at some level in control of the world. And I will acknowledge that I think humans play a role in that and have and have free will completely. But there is a, you know, I believe there is a greater God who is more powerful than humans um, and who um, 
has power to sway and change human hearts and um, influence things and control things like nature and and things like that. And so um, I also believe in the power of healing of, of God and Jesus through human suffering. And, and I've seen um, in friends' lives, you know, the really, really difficult situations, um, the power of faith in suffering. And I know that's not just true of my religion, it's true of many. But um, so I think with that, when something happens, especially globally or nationally, um, it is an inclination to pray because what I'm doing is saying in the act of prayer, I'm saying like, I'm not in control of this horrible, tragic thing. Um, but I believe in a God that can redeem suffering or even just be with humans in suffering. And so praying for me is saying like, I'm trusting someone greater than me to do what I can't. Um, and now I kind of like provide comfort comfort hope exactly exactly and I do think and again want to acknowledge that like what then happens depends on the situation so there are a lot of cases like the Ukraine where I do feel pretty helpless (laughs) because I'm not a politician or in the military so I can pray and then I can give my financial resources um and that to me in my sphere of influence feels like all I can do. Yeah. But if in, let's say like what happened with George Floyd and like everything with Black Lives Matter and summer of 2020, if the only thing that I did was pray and not be out using my voice, then that would feel different to me because I do believe that true conviction of faith leads to action as well. And I think the Bible talks about that a lot. And so um, – I do believe in prayer and I do believe even in praying first because I have seen in my own life when I don't pray and when I don't stop and slow down and ask for, you know, God's strength and not my own, then I tend to not make great decisions. Um, But I also believe and have felt in prayer movement to act. And I don't think it just stops at prayer a lot of the time. So I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it offers hope. It, you know, maybe provides wisdom for me. That would be another answer. Um, but yeah, great question. All right. Awesome. That actually kind of leads, I'm going to now skip around my questions, um, (laughs) but I'm going to go into something a little more controversial. So I think maybe this is because I've been raised in Texas. Um, but I see often an unbelievable amount of political issues that get, tied to religion, namely, I would say probably abortion and reproductive rights, um, as well as like LGBTQ plus rights, especially recently. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot with like um, the like trans family Mm -hmm. bill that Greg Abbott passed, which, yeah, yeah, that is really, truly unbelievable. Um, But and I mean, I've kind of seen it with everything. I mean, during the Black Lives Matter movement, there was a lot of oh, as a Christian, I believe all lives matter, so I can't support the Black Lives Matter movement. And I mean, obviously with abortion, there's, we don't have time to go into all of that right now. Um, But I think for me, I, that has probably been where the largest amount of resentment I've felt towards Christianity has resided because my personal understanding of Christianity has always been 
that it is very much about love and acceptance and forgiveness kind of above mm-hmm. all else. And then I see people twisting Christianity to be, well, I can't support this person because my faith tells me they're going to hell or mm-hmm. this is a sin. I can't support a sin. Like this law is being passed to prevent, you know, sinners or whatnot. Um, and one, I think that's something that's hard for me to understand because my faith does not believe in any kind of sin. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now is definitely part of it. But another part of it is just, I mean, like separation of the church and state, y'all. Like, I I guess I have trouble just understanding really the whole thing. So, you know, I just kind of monologues there for a moment. But (laughs) I guess what are kind of your own personal thoughts on how faith plays a role in your like personal political Mm -hmm. opinions and kind of what is your opinion on kind of, I guess, especially the kind of Texas conservative mm-hmm. Christian beliefs that seep very deeply into our government here? Okay. Carter, how spicy can I get? You can get very okay. spicy. You can get okay. as spicy as you want. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, that is a great question. I, to, to I guess I'm going to, start with what I think the Bible says and Jesus says. I think that in my faith, um, the Bible is very clear about human beings being made in the image of God. And I would say that if you proclaim yourself to be a Christian, that that is impossible to ignore. Um, And to me, if we believe that human beings are made in the image of God and that is the God that we worship that says that all humans – no matter gender, race, skin, like, you know, socioeconomic background, like they are worthy of dignity and respect. Um, And I think that also when we look at Jesus specifically, well, that's not not even just Jesus. I should say the whole God in the the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, and then after Jesus um, died later, the like prophets that followed him, It is very clear in the Bible that God has a heart for the marginalized populations of our world. And that I couldn't tell you the number off the top of my head, but I've looked at the statistic of how many times in the Bible the uh, command to protect the orphan and the widow and the foreigner are brought up over and over. And it is way higher than things I think, you know sometimes cultural Christians will bring up. Um, and I think when I look at the po- the politics, especially in our state, um, I think that it's it can be really frustrating to me because I feel like that part of Christianity that is so prevalent in the Bible and very much so if you look at Jesus specifically, who Jesus hung out with was – not the wealthy, not the powerful, not the religious leaders, um, but it was those marginalized people groups in society. And I think that I just see people missing that in culture today. Um, I had a friend say something one time about a year ago that has really stuck with me that I think like summarizes it and I'm going to butcher his words. He said it way more beautifully than I can remember to say it, but he he was telling me about a conversation he had with a friend all in the same 
same as me, very like evangelical kind of Protestant space in Texas, um, a really small private Christian college Baptist school coming out of that. And um, he was kind of discussing politics with his friend and he, his friend was like arguing with him about a lot of those issues you mentioned, Carter. And um, my friend, who's also, his name is Carter, but a male um, with a C, he, he said to his friend, I think that if Jesus came back today, you would miss him. You wouldn't see him in a Bible study and you wouldn't see him in a church. You would see him at pride or you would see him at the homeless shelter or you would see him with the sex workers because that's who he hung out with in scripture. And so that has just resonated with me. I think that puts like the finger on what I see in our state where politics and faith are um, kind of merging. And it, it feels hypocritical of that, I should say. And to be a little spicy and not trying to <laughs> be too controversial, but I do think with Donald Trump in 2016, I have and many of my friends have who are the same kind of background as me seen a lot of that come to the surface in our faith backgrounds and it and it has caused a split. Like I do think the Southern American church is having to reconcile some of um, people that are following the Bible and people that are following Donald Trump and conservative conservatism in general. Um, I don't think that it is biblical to, I don't think Jesus was a political party. I don't think that the Bible says that. And I don't think that, um, while I am a Democrat, I don't think that like, you know, there aren't great people that are Republican and I don't think that Democrats have it perfect. And, you know, I think that, um, Jesus does not proclaim one party or the other. So if you are a Christian and you are to me (laughs) making claim that this is the only way to follow Christ, I, I think that that means that there's an idol around America and, and, um, in the church, there's a lot of conversations, at least among my friends about, um, this idea of like the American gospel being replaced for what we believe is like truth from the Bible. And, um, yeah, I think that that's been hard, honestly, to reconcile and seeing like a lot of even people that I grew up with where until 2016, I wouldn't have recognized um, some of those things that they tied to Christianity that I, you know, were inside yeah. that um, or inside of a church that I had grown up in or inside of friends that I thought believed the same as me. Um, and again, it's not just about politics. I think for me specifically, it's because I'm a Christian, I feel that I can speak to where I see people that are also saying that they're Christian and it doesn't look like they're following the Bible. And I see that so much in politics um, where there are laws being passed that don't protect human dignity um, and don't protect who I think Jesus was with. And so, yeah, it's, it's Carter, it's hard. Like it's hard sometimes being a Christian in Texas. Sometimes I don't even like to use that word as a joke. I like to yeah. say I'm a believer. I like to say I'm a disciple of Jesus because Christian is such a loaded word. And I honestly don't even always want to be associated with it here in the South, because I think when you say you're a Christian, especially if you're like an evangelical Christian, people think you vote one way or you believe one way about um, this bill or this bill or how, you know, how you talk about your faith even. And I don't subscribe to a lot of those things. And so, 
um, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm trying to, to wrestle with. And I, I do think, um, I feel a conviction to have those conversations with my friends, especially that have the same faith as me, because it's easy to say like, Hey, if these are your values and these are your principles, this is where it doesn't feel like it lines up more so than anybody else, because they're telling me that we're on the same page and I don't feel like that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, I think it's been harder. It's been harder in the last couple of years. Um, I know it's not just me. Um, there's a great, I'm going to, plug a great old, old, old episode with uh, a woman I admire from this area. Her name's Tess Clark. She runs a a refugee nonprofit. She's a strong Christian and she does this podcast on the daily by the New York times where she talks to her dad and it's, you know, um, it's kind of examining that split between um, these different versions of Christianity and it summarizes my experience too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been something to figure out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been, I was talking to one of my friends, um, who's Muslim and we were talking after, um, Senate bill eight came out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like, I mean, immediately after that, I think my main feeling was kind of just like this blinding rage kind of, um, and there's this girl at my school who anyone who goes to my school will like just immediately know who I'm talking about. Um, but she's like crazy pro-life. She ended up blocking me on Instagram. That's, that's a whole <laughs> different story. Um, but she was kind of posting all this stuff at, immediately after that being like, this is God immediately coming to save us. And like, this is Christianity empowering politics and kind of all this stuff. And I'm talking to my friend who is Muslim and she was kind of, she made a really interesting point that was kind of saying, like Christianity is one of the only religions, I think, at least in America, that is emboldened by negative actions that are done in the name of their religion. Like, I guess I think she was kind of talking about, she was like, you know, immediately after 9-11, she was saying like, you couldn't be Muslim, you couldn't be brown and be in America without facing, you know, discrimination. But Christians often tie their like, you know, there was the whole claim of like, oh, like anyone who's a Muslim believes in like this politic, like this brand of politics and like it makes them all like dangerous and whatever, which I mean, obviously is entirely untrue and incredibly Islamophobic. But then Christians kind of turned around and did the same rhetoric in the opposite direction where they're like, because we're Christian, these are our politics and this is the Christian political brand but it was the same thing that they were critiquing where they like, those people can't keep, you know, their politics and their religions. It was just really interesting. And yeah, I mean, just living in Texas, that has been, I think one of the hardest things for me to reconcile about all that. So yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely do. Cause I mean, as I mentioned, like my church, you know, celebrates Christian holidays. And I am not very familiar with the Bible at all. I've never read the Bible. I know like Noah's Ark and like, (laughs) I know Noah's Ark and I know the guy with the plagues, like the red Moses. Moses. Yeah. Oh my God. I was, my dad is in the kitchen, probably eavesdropping right now, but I remember I was deeply terrified 
like my parents had to calm me down. And the reason I mentioned my dad is just because I'm sure he remembers this after we like watched a video about Moses and it was like the oh. eldest child is going to oh, be no. killed or whatever. And I was no. like, I was like, they're coming, they're coming. No. <laughs> I was like so freaked out because like we weren't taught that as like a truth, oh. but like they were just like, these are some stories that are important in like the Christian oh, Bible. And I was so like, sorry. we need sheep's blood right now. <laughs> but yeah, put it on the door. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, I know like the very basic ones, but I mean, probably one of my favorite stories like ever is kind of like the Christmas, like birth of Christ Mm -hmm. story because we do a Christmas pageant every year at my church. And it's just like, it is the story of like someone who was marginalized and turned away and Mm -hmm. a refugee from, you know, an authoritarian regime who it's like, it's it's a story of refugees. Yeah. And, and you see in all of like the New Testament, like what you said with Jesus is with groups who are marginalized and his message isn't to make those people into something that they're not because like that improves them. It's mm-hmm. to accept everyone as they are, you know, with, with love and forgiveness. So it, it is always really interesting to me because I'm like, I just don't know how that message got twisted. Like it just seems very straightforward. Um, But okay, kind of halfway moving away from that um, whole thing. um, I guess I'm. I'm. I have two questions. I'm trying to decide which one to do first. I think. Okay, you know what? I'll do. Okay, I figured out my order. So (laughs) first one. I guess I just kind of know like what how what your personal relationship with the idea of like original sin and like Mm -hmm. asking god for forgiveness that kind of thing is because that is something that as i said earlier i genuinely have no understanding of Mm -hmm. because it's just not part of my church um so what's kind of your opinion on that or how does that tie into your personal faith yeah Yes. Oh, fun theological <laughs> one, Carter. And I do want to acknowledge again before everyone, I have not been to seminary. I am not a theologian. There are people that could answer this much yeah. better than I. Um, I Original sin is um, such a big part of Christianity. Again, can be really difficult. And I get why it's controversial. Like, again, when I acknowledge, like, it can be be difficult and it can be very much twisted. And I do think it has been twisted in the church in the past. And so again, when I acknowledge all of that, um, my understanding and belief of original sin is that God created the world and nature and humans and, and called them good. And then um, Adam and Eve chose to in, we can use sin in a lot of different ways. I, I think the easiest way to think of it is um, they chose to go against what God had asked them to do. And um, especially thinking of the context of in this like perfect space where things were provided for them, um, they were seeking to, um, you know, do things out of pride or out of um, control. And, and looking at the creation story, I could go more into that. But, uh, and I know that and, and in acknowledging, like, even for me, it's hard sometimes. I'm like, well, Adam and Eve are not me. And like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, what does that have to do with me? Which is very valid. But I think when I, and this is easier for me to understand just for my personal faith. Like, I can think of a lot of times that me, Tracy, have sinned. 
And I can think of times very numerous where as much as I try to do the right thing and be a good and kind person that acts the way that Jesus did, that I screw that up. And so, and most of the people that I know are that way also. And so I think that with the concept of sin, for me, understanding that theology, it helps give answers to sometimes like the suffering going on in the world, like with what's going on in the Ukraine, I would say that is um, a horrible, devastating um, effect of Putin's sin of pride and control and power. Like, and I believe he's going to have to answer for that because I think there's consequences for that. Um, and obviously like different sin has different consequences. I also think that, um, something that gets really twisted about sin is that, um, and in the Christian church, this happens and we see it play out in culture. Different sins are ranked differently in the eyes of people, but that's against what the Bible says. And so uh, I think that the church and the culture of the church, again, myself included, has been guilty of this, but um, it's really easy to overlook things that the Bible says that are sin like gossip or lying, which feel like, oh, that's not a big deal. Um, that doesn't seem like it hurts a lot of people or like, or I can get away with it and no one even notices versus like, oh, I had sex before marriage. And then like women especially are shamed for that. And, um, I I think, I mean, one of the biggest ones for me where I've seen that is like with, I mean, homosexuality Mm -hmm. and like that whole conversation around the Christian church. And I mean, I think of, I mean, I, d- I did um, like a history project that was over like kind of the AIDS crisis where there was a lot of people who yeah. were just like, they're just answering for their sin. Yeah. Like this is God's punishment or um, a lot of, I'm thinking, um, oh my gosh, why isn't his name coming to me? Um, the the death of Matthew Shepard, mm-hmm. yeah. that which was a hate crime. And I mean, a lot of people like Westboro Baptist, like kind of thing, like show, yeah, I know, show up and they were like, this is God punishing you for sin. And it's like, are you telling me you've never Mm -hmm. like done? I don't know. It just seems interesting. And also again, like, you know, there's a whole debate of like the Bible even say that was a, it's the, you know, Mm -hmm. like all that kind of stuff. And that's a very loaded topic that I don't know enough about the Bible to like <laughs> commentate on anything yeah. like that, but I've definitely seen particularly in, I mean, if you've met like a Southern Texas woman, she's not giving up gossiping for yeah. anything, no, you know, no, like, it's so it, it's, yeah. it's definitely interesting seeing how people take that. Sorry. I totally interrupted. You. No. Oh my gosh. Not at all. I, uh, yeah, I think that like, again, I modeled my life around what Jesus does. And so if we go to the Bible again, while God, does take sin seriously. And while there are consequences for sin, depending on what, what has happened or um, hardness of heart or things like pride of heart. um, I think about the way that Jesus responds to the quote unquote sinner. Um, I think about the, a great example is um, the woman who uh, he meets at the well who there's different interpretations of that scripture in terms of like, if you go back to the Greek or Hebrew, was she a prostitute or we can say sex worker? Um, was she just a woman who was having a lot of affairs? Was she a single woman who was like sleeping around a lot? I don't know, but according to like Judaic law, all of those would not have been acceptable. And, um, Jesus 
meets her, asks her for a glass of water, which already was against culture because like men and women didn't interact and she was of a different ethnic um, background than him in Judaism. And so that was already pretty like scandy. And then um, he just like asks her a little bit about her husband and reveals like he knows things about her, but he, he doesn't condemn her um, and he doesn't rebuke her. And he, he just says, Hey, like, basically like, I know you, I see you um, metaphorically. And then like, Hey, go like, live differently. Like, I don't, this is not the best for you live differently. Um, and even with the disciples that followed him, there's a lot of examples of like them sinning and Jesus does not rebuke or cast them out. Like those are his closest friends who spent a lot of time with him. And we would think would be like the most (laughs) Christ, like, right. If you're following him around all day, but they were like doing crazy stuff. Like, um, and betraying him and like abandoning him and um and he doesn't speak to them in a way that's you know Jesus never says you're going to hell yeah. that like barely comes up in the bible at all so i love and i'm being sarcastic for the <laughs> listener uh how christians throw that around cuz the hell, yeah. hell is barely talked about at all and yeah. definitely doesn't come from jesus yeah. and so i think that um yeah i think that that can get used as a weapon and i think that Christians can be guilty of deciding according to their cultural viewpoint, um, you know, their familial viewpoint, their own judgment, whatever, of a ranking of this is better and this is worse, or I'm more comfortable with this yeah. uh, or this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like this one feels okay, but this one I don't want to, especially like if you're the one that is engaging in that sin, it feels yeah. more okay yeah. um, than the one that you can point a finger yeah, at. You, oh, no, no, you just keep no, the microphone. It. It's like if you're doing it, you know why you're doing it, and you, mm-hmm. you know, like I, there's always yeah. stuff that's going on in other people's lives yeah. that I feel like. Now I remember being like, I went to my friend's youth group in like seventh grade because I had a crush on a guy who went to her <laughs> church, um, which I mean wasn't for me because I was not raised a Christian yeah. and yeah. I got there and we were like playing dodgeball and then they uh-huh. sat us all down and they were like think about your sin and I was like okay <laughs> wait yeah. what's happening yeah. but I remember like asking like they were doing a prayer and I didn't know it because I'm mm-hmm. not Christian yeah. and he was like pointing me out he was like aren't you saying the prayer? I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, oh, I'm not Christian. He was like, oh, it's like, we'll try to be saved as soon as you can or else you're going to hell. I was like, I'm 11. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, I see that a lot. There's so many people at my school. I think there's like, there's a kind of a big culture around like um, the hypocrisy specifically of like, I know that you've been involved in young life, but it's also a joke of like, young life people where they go to young life and it's the prayer circles and singing songs. And then yeah. they post about it on social media. They're like, you know, feeling God's love. And then like the next Instagram story is them like blackout drunk at a party. And then yeah. they come to school and they're like, if you're gay, you should really think about that. Cause you will be going to hell. And it's yeah. like, you're looking at all their actions and you're like, where are you coming from? Right. I don't know. I guess I think that's part of, again, kind of where, as someone who's not Christian, I look at that and I'm like, I, I just don't, yeah. what's the vibe? Yeah. You know, what is yeah. happening? Um, but yeah, I think we're on the same page mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that. Um, I have to pause it again. 
Okay. So I guess the last question that I have for you is totally your own opinion. Um, but I feel like you've kind of everything we've talked about has encapsulated this, but what does living as a Christian or like a believer in Christ, what does that mean for you? And how do you personally feel is the best way that Christianity as a religion can move forward in that direction Mm -hmm. and kind of start to mend a lot of the people that the religion as a whole has hurt? It's kind of a big question. Yeah. (laughs) Carter, give me a hard one at the end. Um, Yeah. I have so many thoughts. Uh, I think, so I'll start with for me. I think that um, to me, Christianity is laying my life down and living not for myself, but for Jesus and living in the way that Jesus commands us to live um, in obedience to him. And he speaks in the Bible about, um, he sums up his own commandments in, you know, love me and then love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, the golden rule. Uh, And I think for my relationship um, with Jesus and the way that I spend my time, a lot of my time is spent trying to know him better. And the hope is that in knowing him better, I look more like him. Because to me, Jesus is kindness and empathy and graciousness and sacrifice and someone who suffered and understands what that feels like and someone who laid down his life for those he loved and for mankind. And um, I just, I want to be more like that. And um, I know there's a lot of study of theology and and things that come with that. But for me, that, that really does encapsulate for me, my faith is wanting to be more like Jesus and being his disciple. Um, a metaphor that a pastor that I love in Portland uses, he he talks about how um, in Judaism, there would be boys that, you know, because patriarchy at the time, yeah. well, kind of still, but uh, <laughs> um, in, in culture, uh, but I uh, he would, there would be boys that would go and would learn to be rabbis and they would be at the temple and at the synagogue and they would be learning. And then they would get to a certain age and they kind of cross certain thresholds and they would be, um, able to choose a rabbi that they admired. And they would, being a disciple at that time, um, meant, following like closely behind and studying and like trying to live your life exactly like that person did. And so for me, like my rabbi is Jesus. And um, I think that trickles into my life in the way that I like honestly chose my career. Like I'm driven towards people careers, teaching and counseling because uh, and and I really do believe that a lot of other jobs can can be uh, glorifying to Jesus. Just for me, that felt like it fit my passions and what I wanted. It's it's driven uh, me into who I married and um, someone who lives in the same convictions as me and has the same faith as me and cares about people in the same way that I do because we both believe Jesus did. It affects the way that we want to raise a family and like even small silly things like where we've bought a home because we think about the community that we want to be around and live that like I I know I know a lot of um 
people that are Christian can, it, it can affect their lives in different ways. For me, I want it to permeate everything um, and be in every decision that I make um, in the most respectful way. And so, um, so I think it is everything to me. I, I think the church on a larger context, um, I, and I want to say, and again, acknowledge that like, and I have to, I'm saying this to myself, like the church is not the American church because I can forget that because it feels so permeating of our society and our Texas like bubble, but like Christianity is everywhere and it's actually like, you know, exploding in places where it's not even supposed to be like in Asia and Africa, places where it's um, less favorable in society. And um, that church looks really different than the American church, but I will speak to the American church in terms of like redemption and and growth. Um, I think that the church needs to have a look at what the Bible says and strip away things that are more cultural and not actually about the Bible at all, but are about um, power or a place in society um, or trying to keep a place of privilege, uh, which is not... (laughs) not in the Bible and not promised. And so the idea of like the American dream or America being a Christian nation is not, is not biblical. And I'll just say it. And if people are mad at me, it's just not. And um, yeah, Jesus was not living in a society where he was in a position of power and he did not seek to be. And none of the people that followed him were in positions of power either. So that's false. And so I would say we need to repent of that and acknowledge that. I think there needs to be an acknowledgement of um, sins like racism where the church has been complicit, especially there are certain denominations more so in the South. Um, and there needs to be repentance and apologies and, you know, some form of reparations for that. I think um, that studying the way of Jesus and not studying what our culture thinks Jesus is would be helpful. Um and, and going back to what our faith says, um, I think, and I do, I've been, I've been hard on the church. I do know from growing up in it and from being in a church that I love now today, there is a lot of beauty in the church. Oh, yeah. Um, as much as there is hurt <laughs> and that is something to be acknowledged mm-hmm. and it's a very real thing. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of beautiful things. So I think if the church would lean more into, um, the fruits of the spirit, emphasizing love, joy, peace, you know, those kinds of things and like, um, social justice work or, um, community service, things like that, that have been in the history of the church for a long time. Um, that would help a lot of the communities that the church has not served well. Um, and so again, a lot more that I can answer, but that's my, that's my short and brief summary. (laughs) I think something that I really liked that you said is kind of at least the way I interpreted what you said, but I mean, where you talk about like with your career, it's not that you're doing these careers to talk to people so Mm -hmm. that you can be like, your life would be better if you, you know, did exactly what I did and believed exactly what I did, but it's that you're taking the love that you feel Mm -hmm. your religion empowered and wanting to share that with other people and that with kind of religion as a whole. And Mm -hmm. I think that is definitely what I, how I feel about my own religion as well. And I agree. I think also like it is important to recognize that Christianity, like all other religions, has really beautiful aspects Mm -hmm. that can bring people together. And it is 
I, I understand for a lot of people so much harder to see that. And I mean, mm-hmm. I even come from a place of like immense privilege when it comes to my experience with the Christian church. Like I'm not someone who's LGBTQ plus who yeah. has, who has experienced the church as a place of hate yeah. and, yeah. you know, or someone who's like a person of color who yeah. has where, you know, the church is preaching acceptance and then mm-hmm. being complicit in these matters. So want to completely acknowledge that, but I mean, it, it's, it's also not a, an, evil institution as a whole it's it's very complicated but yes yes, definitely a very nuanced thing um but yeah that's all i have so thank you so much for coming today and talking to me do you have any closing words you would like to say yeah i just wanted to say thank you for getting giving me an opportunity to talk and um just explore some of these things and i just also want to say thank you for your podcast episode and I know conversations we had off of <laughs> off of this recording, but um, I just think it's really admirable to learn and understand other people's face. And I think it's I love learning what other people believe and how they worship and how they think and how it affects their life. And so I'm like privileged to learn from you, and I'm excited for you to have other people on and to learn from them because I think um, there's a lot of beautiful things about different faiths that we can all learn from. And so thank you for your wisdom and, um, and honesty and vulnerability, Carter. I appreciate it. But yeah, um, Tracy's just the coolest person ever. Um, (laughs) so I'm so happy that she was here. She's yeah. As she said earlier, she was my dad's coworker and also student, which is kind of funny, but we've always been best friends. Um, we are homegirls. <laughs> I'm like slowly collecting all of my dad's coworkers as friends now that I'm like old enough to talk to them. Like we all follow each other on Instagram. It's, it's a lot of yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, I will also have Tracy's Instagram in the description of the podcast <laughs> if you feel so inclined to go follow her. But yeah, she lives a life of like you can tell, I mean, even just from talking to her and seeing her very joyful, happy person, she makes people happy by being around her. Um, so it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And yeah, next week we'll be continuing our little spirituality series and we'll be talking about Islam with a few of my friends, um, which I'm super psyched about. And yeah, if you like the podcast, give it a like or a rating. And I hope to see you next week as well.